Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Peter. And we are parents of two children, Alberto and Rosina. Each week we sit down together and chat about the reality of raising children. So, if you're a new parent, expecting or just want to see what it's all about, this is the place for you. This, this is, is The, the Parent Sesh. podcast hello everybody we are of course your hosts daniel and peter and what a great pleasure it is to be back with you again and have you joining us it is yeah yeah i was waiting i was staring (laughs) at her like yeah agree with me and (laughs) tell tell the nice viewers how nice they are so yeah welcome back uh, to another week it's been a another nice week in parent land for us another real week of being parents and we like to kick off the week with a little shining example of that. A little, little, win- little window. Yeah, sweet little snap snippet. Well, snack's cool. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Kids love Into snacks. Into our life. <laughs> yeah. And whilst this topic this week, it's, it's a heavy one, but we like to keep it light, so we'll do our best to make it a lightweight topic. This week's story is absolutely on the light side. It's a very cute story. Very cute, very, <laughs> very sweet, sweet and innocent. And it involves a little childhood choosing song mm. that you might know as Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. Mm-hmm. And Alberto loves to use this method to decide between things. Now, there's a right way to sing this, isn't there? Yes. And... It's the one we've all grown up with. So I'll, I'll sing. Yeah, if- you sing the tune. You sing it in the right way. And then after, sing it in the way Alberto sings it. So yeah. that we can all get a little glimpse into his brain. His mind and how he does <laughs> things. Now, uh, singing is probably a bit of an overstatement. I'm mainly going to talk it. But the way it goes, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by its toe. If it squeals... Keep that in mind, that little part. Let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Now, I hope you committed the squeals part to memory. Like you've really stored it <laughs> into your brain and seared it into your mind because that's key for what I'm about to do next. That's very key. That's key. Because effectively what he's done is mesh the two together. And this happened tonight. This was hours ago before mm. we recorded. Okay. First of all, he starts off with any mini. Yeah. He doesn't go any mini. It's, it's just any mini. Any mini. So that's that's one. That's not even the. <laughs> that's not the thing. But that's one part. So he goes. All right. Just remember the squeal. Remember the squeal part. Just remember that. Any mini, miny mo, catch a squirrel, let him go. Any mini, miny mo. See, even at the end there, you went defaulted back to eeny meeny. Well, that's just so it- ingrained in my in my head. <laughs> but he always says eeny meeny. It's so cute. <laughs> and tonight he used it to decide which one of us would take him to bed. And ultimately, the only option he has is me. Because if Peter goes in there when Racine is asleep and she catches a glimpse of her, she wakes up and sort of 
She gets confused. She gets confused because the routine is me taking him. Mm. So the only option was me. So tonight when he did it, even when it looked like it was going to land on Peter, he, <laughs> well, what does he do? He just pauses. So he'll be saying any mini, and then he pauses and realize his finger's going to point to the wrong person or the thing he doesn't want. And he'll like adjust <laughs> in that moment. So good. And then we'll say, Miney Mo. And surprisingly, it lands on the thing he wants it to land on. And tonight it was a very wholesome, very nice moment because he chose me. But ultimately, when he's like choosing a toy to play with or when he's choosing what to bring with him in the car on a trip, he'll choose the one he wants, but he'll pretend like there's an, there's an option. It's mm. not an option. He, he's going to take the right one. Or if he's not sure which one he wants, he'll sing the rhyme again. He'll, yeah, do it twice. <laughs> yes, he'll say, oh, hang on, wait, wait, I'll do that again. And the same <laughs> thing happens. But I really don't understand where he got the squirrel from. No. Like he may have heard squeal mm. and just thought it was squeal. Yeah. But he just he doesn't want to hear that it's wrong either. If I try and tell him that, oh, it's actually this, it's actually you, you say tiger if it squeals. No, 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 papa, that's wrong. No, it's squeal. <laughs> and then you let him go. I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> sure thing. If you say so. If you say so, Alberto. You do you, yeah. boo. <laughs> you do you. So that was a nice little little window into a real parent moment, one that's sweet and innocent and wholesome. And it's something to look forward to. Absolutely. I think as well when they start talking and forming sentences and they get things wrong, it's just so cute. If you, if you have a, a child now who's just starting to get the language and starting to really string words together, really look forward to them getting things wrong. There's nothing cuter <laughs> than when they get things wrong. It's the sweetest. But this week's topic is going to be about something that's very close to us and it's our kids' relationship with technology, what we've done and how we've sort of managed it. So we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll kick it all off. Well, we've, we've got a pretty good thing happening and a pretty healthy relationship with technology in our kids, I would say. Yeah, in our household. In our household and even outside of our household. Mm -hmm. It's exactly where we want it to be. Yeah. So before we really break down the nuts and bolts of where we're, like how we got to where we're at, mm -hmm. let's tell it, let's talk about actually where we're at. Explain it a little. Explain it a little bit. Because at the moment, we're in a spot. We're in the spot we wanted to be with it, which is basically where they don't actually own a device. Yeah, there's no individual devices. They don't use our devices. No. The only interaction with technology that either of our children have, uh, Racine actually has none at the moment, but Alberto gets to watch TV and only in a really like set time. And on the actual TV. On the actual TV. Yeah. On an actual TV. Yeah. There's not a separate device. Like if we wanted to watch something on the TV, we just don't watch it at that time that he's watching it. Right. We don't set him aside and say, here, you watch this, we'll watch this. It's mm -hmm. you, it's, this is your time in front of the TV and that's, and that's it. 
And it's yeah. only when Racine is having a sleep. So if she's having a morning nap or her afternoon nap, that's his chance and his time to, to unwind a bit and get some time with some TV shows or a movie. Yeah. And Racina, well. She's very close to 12 months now, uh, just a couple of days off. So at this stage, she has no screen time in any way, shape or form. She doesn't watch TV. She doesn't have any uh, games or activities or anything that she plays on a phone or a tablet or anything like that. She just has toys and books and us <laughs> to and play for, with. For the moment, that's all she needs. That's right. And this same principle extends to when we go out places too. Mm -hmm. It's actually given us social freedom to be able to do things and take the kids with us and have them be a part of what we're doing, I would say. Yeah, I think that a key thing for us is keeping them engaged in whatever we're doing, whether it's going to the shops, you know, going to a shopping center or going grocery shopping, whatever it is, we want them to be engaged in the process. We don't want them doing their thing while we do our thing. We want to do it together. Make them a part of it. Yeah. And the key part of that, use the word key a lot, <laughs> the part of that that really allows us through that is the fact that when we are out, there's there's no screens for them to, to look at. And there never has been. No, we've I, never had to do it. We haven't had a situation where we've given it to them once, twice, three times or anything like that and then had to take it away. We've always had- Maintained the status quo from the start. Yes, yeah. And look, I, I, I kind of said there that we've never had to do it. Well, by that, I mean that we've chosen never to do it, mm. which means that now we're in a position where we don't have to. Yeah. There were probably times throughout that journey where you probably are like, well, I, yeah, you could kind of see it, where the desire would come from to do it. Mm-hmm. We just had to stick with our principles with of what we wanted out Have of it. Have conviction. Have a bit of conviction in it. Yeah. And we did that. And that's allowed us now to, so we'll break it down. At home, Alberto just watches TV and only under specific conditions. Yeah. When Racina's awake, the TV's turned off. Yeah. No exceptions. There's no background noise or TV or like the news or something. that It's just completely off. That's right. When we go out, there's not even a discussion around it. No one asks the question. No one says, bring this, mm. bring the tablet, because there isn't one. Right. We just go out. We go to cafes and he's very accustomed now to interacting with what's available when we're there. Yeah. And I think as well another aspect of it is we don't go to particularly like kid-friendly restaurants or cafes or shopping centers or, or things like that. Like we just stick to what we like, what's around us, what feels authentic to us. We don't steer off and go to these very specific niche places. Yeah. And it's really nice. I really like it. I really like what we've built and the current state that we're in with everything. It is really nice. And I think that the kids really like it. I know that Racine is so little that you could say she likes anything and she probably would, but just having that interaction out, 
outside of the home. And, you know, if we do meet up with friends or family or something like that, it's we're all interacting with each other. There's no time where, you know, the kids are off doing their thing and we're doing our thing. It's all together. The point you raise about friends and family, we had to really impart this same way of thinking onto our family in particular, especially Mm -hmm. if they were family members who would be interacting and taking care of our children on occasion. Mm -hmm. We had to really make sure, look, this is how we want our kids and technology to be done. Good communication is a a big part of life and keeping those two-way communications open so that when we did start introducing some TV we were clear as well. We He can have it during this time for this amount of time and this particular show, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't just anything. It wasn't just anything. And mm. I remember for the longest time it was just Bluey, mm. just Bluey. And who cannot say no to Bluey? Like yeah. it is a really – it was a definitely our show of choice from the start because their values as a family kind of replicated what we were wanting to do, which is learning through play yeah. and – it kind of just reinforced what we were doing mm-hmm. just in a TV show format. With but dogs. With dogs. <laughs> yeah. You Again, you forget they're dogs, honestly. <laughs> you watch them and you're like, oh, it's so good. Wait, that's a dog. Yeah. That's a dog that did that. So we're in a really nice spot. Everything is is really sweet. Everything Everything's really wholesome. Our kids love creative play and love learning through play of stories. But it hasn't just been snapping our fingers and we're at that point. There's been a process or a journey for us to to take to get there. So I really want to talk about that with you, mm. both Delve you, my, into it. you, my wife, and you, the listener. When I say you, I mean everybody because there's a, a nice story for us of how we got there and our thinking behind everything. So let's take a tiny, teeny, quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive straight into that. Now, this way of thinking with our kids and technology, we've had this since before we had our kids. That's right. This wasn't just something that we learned over time. We had this thought in our minds for the longest time. And I know you hear a lot of parents who say, our kids will never have technology. We'll never give them a device. The baby's five minutes old and they're watching something. (laughs) Maybe a slight over-exaggeration. But we get the point. You get the point, right? Mm. That you have the best intentions, mm-hmm. but as a parent, sometimes your best intentions don't always follow through. We were really passionate about this one yeah. in terms of why we wanted to do it. I think one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to do it was we wanted our kids to have a childhood similar to what we had. And it wasn't in front of a screen. It wasn't having instant gratification uh, from boredom. That's Yeah, we really wanted them to to experience being bored mm. and to learn that boredom is okay. Yeah. A lot of it too was how we were brought up. You know, we didn't have access to things on demand. No. And we needed to find things to do ourselves. I remember consistently with my cousins in Sydney, we would often just make games out of absolutely nothing, out of a necessity. Yeah, you had to, otherwise... 
What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Exactly. No one was really going to solve that problem for you. Yeah. So we would often solve it ourselves. And it was just a really creative, enjoying, enjoyable way to find things to do. And even though when we were having these thoughts and coming up with these ideas before having kids, I think we looked at it from a parent's perspective as well. And just thinking about how nice it would have been for our parents to have us engaging with them all the time, because we're not sitting individually on a device or in front of a TV, we would be running up and interacting with them and saying, mom, I'm bored. Mom, can we eat this? You know, what can we do? What game can we play next? And it was this back and forth and this relationship and communication you'd have between each other. Whereas very commonly now it's, you know, children uh, are on a device often with headphones on, just completely isolated. And as a parent, you're going up to them trying to engage. So we really wanted to make sure that in our family, in our dynamic, that we had the back and forth, that we were both engaging with each other. What I remember too is having limited access to screens meant that the times you got to enjoy it were all the more special. Mm. So when we used to go to Sydney, like our access in, uh, in my house, we didn't have pay TV. So the time we got to access pay TV was exciting, special, enjoyable, but you didn't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think because of how quickly you can access everything, yeah. And the instantaneous nature of it, it makes it less of a of a special occasion and more of a you don't appreciate it. Mm. There's no appreciation for it. So it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. It's a lock. It's I'm mm. gonna have this anytime I want. And I didn't want that we didn't want that for mm. our kids to have that entitled sort of nature when it came to to their screen time and what they could access. Yeah. So that was definitely a big part of heading into children what we, what our thoughts were. Yeah. And that leads into once Alberto arrived and how we interacted with him right from the start and how we parented and, and, you know, continued the lifestyle that we were living. So we were, as we were saying, we are quite social people. We like to go out to restaurants, to cafes and have interactions with people outside of just our, us and and the kids and we wanted to be able to have our kids actually interact with who we were with during that time and not just rely on something to keep them entertained so that we as parents could just have social time on our own we like to have all of us have that social time together yeah and part of that is i guess we had to own the situation we were in. So yeah. like if Alberto had a situation where he was upset that we were out or there mm. was a situation where he was unsettled, unsettled, I think that was probably the biggest one, is we just had to own that. Mm-hmm. We had to absolutely own that that was the case and deal with it in our way, mm-hmm. which that would be the removing him from the scene so you don't get the prying eyes of everyone who's in the restaurant. Yeah, saying, I think we were really conscious that we didn't want to, like, disturb anyone as well. Like, we're all out to have a nice time. And, you know, if our child is having a tantrum or, or trying to express their feelings in a loud way, we would just go off 
outside where it was also quiet because sometimes it can be really loud in those environments. So you'd be able to quietly de-escalate and problem solve. Yeah. And it was a, an, it was not the easy solution, but it's the long-term solution that worked. Mm. So we definitely practiced that early on with Alberto's existence. But as time sort of goes on with when your kid's starting to grow up and they're getting more interactive and engaging, you get the questions like, oh, what's his favorite cartoon character. show? What's his favorite character? Does, yeah. he, does he like Paw Patrol? And, you know, obviously now, yeah, yeah. loves it. But before he was three, that world was unbeknownst to him. Yeah. He had absolutely no clue what any of that was. No, he did know some characters because they were in books he was given. So I do think that we had potentially a Bluey book before he ever saw Bluey. And a Peppa Pig. I think there was a Peppa Pig, a Peppa book, Pig book and a Bluey yeah. book that he he used to know, but he only knew the characters from the book. He yeah. wouldn't know the show. Yeah. And I don't think it was something he would reference as well. Mm. He wouldn't, you know, out landishly be like oh Peppa Pig's my favorite or mm. or what what have you because to him they were just stories and books and interactions it wasn't it wasn't yep <laughs> <laughs> but I think the questions were starting to come in quite thick and fast and at that point it kind of I it kind of scared us a little bit. Not, not so maybe I don't know scared is the right word, but we became very aware that that part of the world was going to be exposed to him very soon. And I think it was a convenience thing too. I remember the older he got, the more it would be such a convenience for him to watch something. And that was really put in our, our consciousness a lot is like, oh, but what about when he's here at my place? Like, and I've got to do something. Can I put this on? And we had to keep reassuring them, no, that's not. Yeah. Another element too is I work in technology and yeah. I have devices around me everywhere. So there, there's this start of doubts that start to creep in. Well, how's, how are we really going to stop this juggernaut from entering our child's life? And it was like we knew we wanted to. We definitely knew we wanted to. Like, it was still part of our conviction and our philosophy. And I think maybe we just needed a bit of reassurance, Ab whereas oh. we weren't getting that. I think we were hearing more questions and concerns than being reassured that we were on the right track. Well, you start to fall into the trap of seeing how normal it is now. Like, mm. it's a very normalized part of society, you know. Devices are, are part of education. They're a part of how children learn in the current climate. So you're very aware that that's coming and like, I'm not opposed to technology. Like I said, I work in it. Yeah. But I, we just didn't want that to really shape and mold how our kids were. So we started to really look into other sort of measures to learn from. Mm -hmm. And that is when we got invited to a seminar called Raising Kids in a Digital Age. Mm -hmm. Bam. What a perfect seminar at the right time for us in what we wanted. I think it was before he turned one. Yeah. So it was still early on, but even at that stage, the questions started coming in. Like, you know, what's his favorite uh, 
characters on this show? Or what app is he doing learning activities through? Just things like that. So you, you had to manage it. So this, this uh, seminar came about. And what we really picked up from this seminar was a couple of things. I mean, I got to sit through all of it quite peacefully, I must say, mm. because you had to go and take him outside. Quite ironic, really. We bring him into public <laughs> to a seminar about not using technology and a situation where you'd probably think that technology would absolutely de-escalate the situation. Uh, we didn't use it. We didn't use it. But basically it was past bedtime. It was definitely an out of routine situation. We didn't have any child minding things available to us at the time. So it was the two of us and Alberto and we just had to make it work. So I did have to leave. I did generally go come in and out a little bit and I went into the bathroom which they had speakers playing through the bathroom so I could listen at some points but when you've got an upset unsettled baby you know your attention is realistically focused on them so I had to rely on you (laughs) to retain the information and bring it home and I absolutely remember a few key things but one in particular stood out for me And that was something we kind of already touched on, which is kids are allowed to be bored. Mm. They can be bored. They're supposed to get bored. They're supposed to be bored. Mm -hmm. The thing that uh, the seminar told us was that kids do all of their development in their creative, imaginative part of their brain and problem-solving part of their brain in the earliest stages of life. So in these formative years, this is when that part of the brain gets developed. Mm -hmm. And a screen, when in front of them, inhibits that creativity and that development of that creativity because it's solving that boredom for them. Yeah. There's nothing that they're actually doing to solve it. They're getting a video or a YouTube or a YouTube. (laughs) That sounds so old. I'm 31. (laughs) They're not a YouTube. They're getting videos or content stuck in front of them. Just because they've had a moment, they've expressed. Boredom or showed boredom. Yeah, yeah. And it's just handed to them as, oh, this will solve it. This will resolve it for you. But what that was doing and what we we were told that that is doing is it stops that creative, imaginative growth of their brain and means they're not actually stimulating that part. And that kind of scared me. Obviously, it was a it was a part of the seminar designed to educate, and I really learned. I really, at that moment, reinforced everything that we wanted, and mm. that has resonated and stuck with me to this day. Yeah. Where I see Alberto, I see Racina, and whenever they're bored, you don't just solve their boredom for them with anything. Like, it might not even be a device. It could just be anything. You let them kind of come to their own creativity and it's just, it's resonant. It really did stick with me. Yeah. It's something I tell everyone. I tell everybody, <laughs> including this podcast right now. I'm telling you all here. But it's, it is just nice to see them come up with something on their own. Or even if you are engaging with them in that moment, they're saying, oh, what can I do? What can I do next? Even if you just steer them in a direction, you don't have to give them the answer. But you say, oh, would you like to play with this or this? You know, do you want to be inside or outside? You know, and you just give them some options and let them decide, let them come to 
the right path, the right activity that that they want to do that will entertain them for more than five minutes. And it'll they'll, they'll figure it out. It's part of their brain that they activate is figuring it out. Mm. It just works. There are a couple other things. Uh, the other main one that I really remember is not to use screen time and technology as a reward for negative behavior. Yeah. That one really stuck with me too because often, you know, I mean, you see it and, again, I completely get it mm. because we've been in the situation where negative behavior is rife and you're tired and you're frustrated and it's been all day and you just want that bit of peace and you think, okay, well, how can I get it? How's the quickest and easiest way to get it? But it's rewarding the wrong behavior because yeah. ultimately what ends up happening is that just gets extended because they know what they have to do to get that screen time and they'll, they'll just behave that way more often to get what they want. And it just ended up again, resonating with me in a way where we have it the complete opposite, mm. where if negative behavior is being exhibited, Alberto loses any potential screen time for that day. Yeah. Like, and he just has to find his own solution for that time. He normally would be watching a show when Racina's having a nap. Mm-hmm. So we use it, we've flipped it. We completely use it the other way because- the more we lent, if we lent in the other side, it just would have set the wrong tone, the wrong routine. Yeah. So we've done it the other way. Oftentimes as well, when there is something on, because he has those creative, you know, energy flowing, he'll be playing during a show and we'll have to stop it, stop him and say, Alberto, you know, are you watching the show or are you playing? Should we turn it off or so that you can continue playing and you can do whatever you need to do? Or are you going to come and sit down and watch it? And he'll say things like, oh, I need to go outside. I'm going to go do this and then I'll come back. And as long as it's still within that time frame that he's allocated, we'll just press pause or turn it completely off and then put it back on when he's ready to sit down and be present with it. Because we don't want it to just be on in the background. It's, it's for him to enjoy yeah, it's definitely for an, an unwinding thing. Like, as an adult, don't you love just unwinding in front of the TV, like putting your best comfort binge show on and just unwinding from a long day? Mm. Like, we don't think that he should not have that opportunity. It's just got to be the right way and got to be in the right circumstances. So we've mentioned the seminar that we went to. The speaker and the, the person on the night actually had a book and we're not the best at uh, retaining information when we read it. We're definitely more an interactive. Visual, visual. kinesthetic people. <laughs> yeah. So we thought the seminar works perfectly for us. But if anyone out there wants this information that we're talking about just for their own education, then we'll link the author and the book down below so that you can go and look it up later. Absolutely. So we followed this journey and this path to, and it's like we said at the start, it's really, really working for us with where we're at and the benefits we've seen from all of this have been incredible. It's so special to watch. And we want to talk about what we've seen and what we've noticed because it has been 
something that we feel has positively impacted Alberto's life and going to positively impact Racina's life as well. So again, we'll take a little little water break and when we come back, we'll definitely go into all of the benefits. We've really noticed a huge benefit to Alberto and even even though she's only just about to turn one, Racina, mm. with this way of doing things, I think, especially with his, not just his confidence, but also his creativity. Yeah. More, probably the mostly his creativity. His imagination. His imagination is so powerful. Mm. Even tonight. I had my parents here. They dropped off some food for us or for Alberto. And what he was able to do just in this environment, you know, grown adults, no other kids here, but he noticed just underneath the couch. Just one of those things that falls off. One of those things that falls off and never to be seen again. (laughs) He saw it. But a little brush, like, you know, when you're, you're coloring your hair, you're dyeing your hair, you've got those little brushes that you use. Anyway, an unopened brush. It was in its packet. He saw it, took it over to us and said, can you open this, please? Okay, sure. No idea what he had planned for it. It's a brush. It's not a kid's toy. It's not anything. And he took it around to everyone, all the grown-ups here, and offered painting services. Mm. He said, do you want me to paint your house? And we were like, yeah, sure. Uh, and he goes, where do you want me to paint? And then you'd point at a door or at a room and he'd walk over to it and he'd say the words, paint, 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 paint. And he'd say, all done for you. Okay. And then he'd go to the next person and do the same process. And then he would build on it where he'd ask for colors or mm. he'd tell them the color after he's done it. Yeah. It's just. I don't think he'd be in that space with creativity if it wasn't for him years of experience creating worlds and situations. Yeah. And I think that even though Racina is so young, she's also starting to show those things as well. So for her, more often than not, it's she'll find the basket of toys and she sort of comes up with her own little game. So it's just a plain basket with like lids on the side that open up and you can get to the toys inside and she'll open up the lid and go through rifle through, pick out something she likes, play with it, or she'll hide something in the basket and then find it again. It's usually a dummy. Yeah. She'll put (laughs) something in there and then she'll like look around like where is it where is it and then she'll open the basket lid and find it and she gets so happy and excited and she just did that on her own and I think it's because Alberto is role modeling these creative things for her and we're also just allowing her the space to figure it out on her own and giving her that time and it's just so beautiful to watch both our kids doing these wonderful imaginative things It's incredible. For Alberto, the building blocks for this really started before he turned three, because obviously once he turned three, there was some screen time introduced with just the TV, as Mm -hmm. we've said. But before that, 
he had to rely purely on his imagination for everything, for the worlds he'd create, for the stories he would tell, for the stories he would hear. All of it was done in his own mind. And I just, I remember watching him. I used to love watching him. Like, as weird as it sounds. (laughs) Stalker. (laughs) It's my son. But he would love toy cars. And often I would find him, he'd have a game where he would line all his cars up precisely in a precise straight line. Mm -hmm. That was his game. And he could spend an hour on that and find different variations of to park the cars next to each other, behind each other, some of them on top of each other. You know, he mm. just, he would find ways of making it different and really engaging with the, the toys that he had. And it just, for me, it was so rewarding to see that because he was building the foundations of creative play from imagination, from being intuitive and understanding things. And it really reinforced that we were doing the right thing. Yeah. And another side of it too is the engagement outside of the home and figuring out how to go to a shopping center, you know, with two kids, with no screen time and having that an enjoyable experience. And because we did it with Alberto, we've had all this time to sort of work out the best ways to do that. And now it's sort of, we're at a point where we can count, you know, on one hand, how many times we've had exceptions (laughs) where (laughs) issues have occurred, where we've had to leave the shops abruptly or something like that, just because it wasn't the right time of day or it wasn't, it was too long. You know, there was a reason for it to have escalated to a point (laughs) we say of no return. (laughs) Honestly, I would take those moments Mm. every day of the week over using a device to stop it from happening. Because for me, and I suppose for you (laughs) as well, you are here with me, for us, it allows them to express emotions Mm. and showcase what they're feeling and have have them have the opportunity to learn that that behavior also isn't the right thing to do. So they have to sometimes go through the wrong behavior to learn what the right one is. If they never get the opportunity to express that emotion or or to go through that negative behavior, then they're never going to know how to properly express themselves in the right way. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's fair enough if they don't want to be there, if we've been there too long, they're over I hate shopping for too long. It's so boring. They're allowed to say, I've had enough (laughs) as well, you know, just like we are. Just like we do. Like Mm. we're in a position where we get to decide that's enough and we just go. Mm. But they sometimes don't have that choice. So all they're doing is expressing that desire desire to to leave. leave. (laughs) And- (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's been some doozies in amongst that handful of moments. Yeah. There's been some absolute doozies, I tell you what. But again, I wouldn't change it because the benefits that we have off the back of all that now is he's very self-sufficient mm. in his in his playtime. Like often we could be talking on the couch, having a conversation about groceries. It's probably the first thing mundane thing I could think of is groceries for the week and he'll want to talk to us 
and we'll just say, hey, we're talking. Uh, we'll be finished soon. Then we'll come and come and find you. Often, by the time we're done, he's already entertaining himself. Mm. He's gone off to the other side of the room. He's found and collected a whole bunch of resources that he needs to create the world he wants to create. Yeah, we haven't instantly cured that, but like his need or or something. We've allowed him the time to figure it out for himself. Absolutely. Mm. Also, what we found is by limiting the access to certain types of shows and certain types of and certain times of screen time he's also started to bring those characters into his creative play where he will bring a paw patrol character into his playtime and he'll take on the role of that character take on the role of another character he'll play the role of four or five of them mm. and he'll create a scenario that's not in the show but suits the characters from the show yeah because he's learned and able to apply them in real world situations. Yeah. It's been really nice to see. But because yeah. he gets the opportunity to do that and he's not just watching them do it all the time, he gets to take it and then adapt it to his situations. It's really nice too. So yeah, the benefits have been really, really, really good. Especially I think with learning. With learning has probably been the biggest one because you could learn through a screen but watching how you taught him with blocks or with physical stuff around has also given him really good spatial awareness of physical items. So mm. it's been so many side benefits to this. I could go on and on, like mm. really could. I could talk about this a lot, but you'd get bored of me <laughs> rambling on about things like that. I feel like we've we've really covered quite an extensive part of it, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So... Obviously, we don't always cover everything. We leave a couple of tips for the end, a couple of our top two tips. But that's been kids and tech. It's been a really sort of en engaging topic for us to really talk about because of how we've sort of managed it in our relationship with it. And I think as well we're also not – it's not so common – what we're doing and how we're approaching it in this day and age. And it's good to be able to talk about the other side of and what it's sort of like for people that limit technology. Yeah. I'm, I absolutely can sense that there's definitely a desire from a lot of people to go down this path. And I can understand the people who haven't because it's not easy. Mm. It's not an easy thing to do, but We've, we're just great examples of having the conviction to follow through and bearing the fruit at the end of it because mm. it is a long game, kind of like the sleeping journey that mm. we've had. It's the long game that we're really playing. But we're going to take a short break because when we come back, we've got our top two tips for really managing this whole thing. I don't think it's any uh, over-exaggeration to say that our relationship with our kids and technology has been a good one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, to summarize 40 minutes of conversation, that's pretty much where we've ended up at is, the, yeah, we've got a good one with it. What, do, what else do you want to know? <laughs> 
but there's a couple of things that we have done or implemented along the way that's really been effective for us. So there's his two final tips if you're really looking to to bring away technology from from your kids or if you're starting out and you you want to know how to reinforce the messaging that you already have. Mm. Well, I'll start. Oh, okay. Sure, <laughs> so, please go. <laughs> I guess my tip is being prepared. So this can take work. This can take some time to try and figure out and it, what's best for you. And it's a little bit ever-changing as well as the kids grow and age and develop. You know, you might have to adjust along the way different strategies and different tips. But being prepared is is basically it. So in in many ways. So one thing that I like to do is I like to assess where they're at and think, okay, what is the best time of day to take them to wherever we need to go? So say we're going for lunch. What's the best time of day? So I would- Lunch, lunch lunchtime? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. But I mean, is that say they have lunch at 12 o'clock every day. Like you kind of at home, traditionally on the dot, 12 o'clock, you make a sandwich, lunch is ready. You wouldn't go to lunch at 12 o'clock. You would get to lunch at say 11.30, be able to sit down, get adjusted, you know, look at the menu, place your order, and the food would then arrive at the table at the same time, generally speaking, at the same time you would normally have lunch. Whereas if you're already getting there at 12, you're behind the eight ball. You're not prepared. Kids are going to start being really fussy. You're going to end up ordering whatever because you're already over it. And then the kitchen staff are delayed <laughs> and it takes 45 minutes for your food to come out. That's 45 minutes past the time they normally eat. And you're just asking for trouble or tantrums or whatever. So it's just being prepared and setting an expectation before you even go to whatever you need to do. The second part of being prepared as well is we like to ask Alberto before we leave the house and we will start doing this with Racina as she gets older. At the moment, we just take toys for her. We don't ask. And But what we'll do is we'll say, Alberto, what do you want to take to lunch? What toys do you think are appropriate to take to a restaurant or a cafe? And he'll pick out a couple of little things, quiet toys, cars, generally it's his go-to. And he'll pack that and and take that with him. And what I will do is I'll take some extra things secretly. Smart Smart (laughs) mum. You know, just things that he might not have thought of or, you know, if the restaurants, like a local cafe that we love to go to actually have coloring in books and things like that at the restaurant. So we may not take extra stuff in that circumstance, but if we're going somewhere that doesn't have that or, or we've never been there before, I'll definitely pack a few bits and pieces in my handbag, nappy bag, whatever bag I'm taking so that I can be prepared for when he's over the Paw Patrol cars, he can't think of anything else, the food hasn't come, I can pull something else out or it's after the meal and we're all winding up conversation or whatever. I can pull something new out, new, fresh, exciting that he didn't think of and it just spurs on that ability to play. So that's my tip. Be prepared. (laughs) Be prepared. And also be prepared for whatever you have brought, sometimes not to work because that can also happen. But mostly the more times, more often than not, 
being prepared will work, especially as well, like grocery shopping, mm. bringing snacks. Yeah. Like going at a snack, like morning tea time. Yeah. And they have the snack in the trolley. Not going outside of those periods, because if you go outside of them, you know, you have to try and find other ways. But if you bring them to the shop during that snack time, they are distracted in the right way because that's usually when they have their snack anyway. Yeah. And it's it's not the whole time as well. So you still have the ability to have them engaged and participating in what you're doing. So you could, you know, Alberto's four and a half. We can say, can you go and get the spaghetti? And we're not, the, not by himself. We're in the aisle. Yeah. It's right in front of us, but he can pick it off the shelf and put it yeah. in the trolley. Imagine we just give him the list and go, here you go. And we'll, <laughs> be at you the, go. we'll be at the front. Here's the card. <laughs> but be prepared, I think, and, and finding ways, finding the right thing that works for you is a key key to that strategy. So many keys today. Mm. I feel like we're opening a lot of doors. My tip is around screen time and- Whilst we use this tip for just the TV, uh, this can be applied for other forms of screen time as well, if you wish. But it's basically to have some time management when it comes to screen time. Effectively, what we're doing now is he has a window between one and three where he can watch something because that's when Racina will normally have her nap. Sometimes she'll go a bit longer. Sometimes she might go a bit shorter. But effectively, he knows that that's a window where he can watch something. Outside of that, he knows he can't. So, but we always get him prepared as well. When it's about to end, we'll say, okay, this is the last episode. You don't give him a time because well, kids don't really have a, a concept of time. You go and say not 10 yet. minutes mm. because he won't get that. Yeah, you not, say, not yet. You say, this is the last episode. Or yeah. if it's a movie, it's this is after this movie, the TV gets turned off. Mm-hmm. You don't give him a time frame per se because he won't really understand that or they won't really understand that concept. But time management is absolutely critical. And it feels like I'm sounding, it feels like I'm giving business advice, time management, but it definitely applies in this sense. Also, I find that in line with time management is setting the expectation for what comes after. So you might say, okay, this is the last episode and then we're going to do this or, and then you're going to play outside. We're going to the park, the playground. We need to go to the shops, you know, whatever it is, just setting up their expectation that this ends and something else begins. Yeah. And it is, even if it's such a small expectation, like, Racina's going to wake up and she's going to have her snack Mm -hmm. or you're going to have your afternoon snack. Just really setting up that there's something else that's following because sometimes turning off the TV can, they're like, oh no. Now what? My whole day's over. Mm. (laughs) But obviously we know that's not the case. And you just, it's just about showing them that that's, that's what the truth is, that Mm. there's still more to this day than than just the TV being on. Yeah, a lot of times, especially in the summer, it was always when the TV was going off, we'd be like, okay, let's get ready. We're going to go to the pool, to the beach, to the playground and just do something that was outside and just create that balance. Now that it's winter, it's- It's harder. A lot different. <laughs> it's way harder. It's way harder. But it's been really, it's been really successful for us and implemented really, really- consistently we've never really wavered never really hmm. we've never really wavered from that 
methodology because it's really set ourselves on a good path. Yeah. And that's pretty much been our journey. That's it. But we know that there's always people with questions and wanting more information and things like that. So definitely reach out to us if you have any questions or if you wanted to share something from your life or from your experience that we didn't cover off. And we hope to hear from you soon. Absolutely. We are on Instagram <laughs> yes. and Twitter mm-hmm. at The Parent Sesh. And I think we're long enough into this podcast series now where we can ask you to subscribe. If, if you're liking what you're hearing, just subscribe and that always helps. Uh, leave a review. Yeah. If, if there's a metric for that somewhere to leave a review, absolutely. <laughs> please do so. Um, we'll filter out the bad ones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, just please consider subscribing. It, of course, helps us out. And if you really like it, it just means you get alerted to every time we upload. So it doesn't hurt anyone, really. It's just a simple button. You press it and- It can only help. It can only help. Mm. But that's it for this week. It's been another another really nice topic to talk about. And, uh, of course, we'll be back next week. And next week's topic is- all about socializing and by socializing we mean the kids and how they sort of grasp socializing which i think really flows in from this topic really nicely because alberto especially has built up such a confidence Mm. in his ability to socialize and interact interact Mm -hmm. that i think it really melds into next week really well so join us next week to talk all things kids and socializing and We're looking forward to it. Yeah, we love it. See you next week. See you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.